book of Proverbs this summer. We've come this morning to the fifth chapter, and we're going to begin in verse 1 as we consider a challenging subject, a sobering subject to the church and to those of us in this room who are in the marriage covenant. I want to speak today about the danger of adultery and the gospel of Christ. Proverbs chapter 5, verse 1. My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Listen closely to my understanding, so that you may maintain discretion and your lips safeguard knowledge. Though the lips of the forbidden woman drip honey, and her words are smoother than oil, in the end she's as bitter as wormwood and as sharp as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death, her steps head straight for Sheol. She doesn't consider the path of life. She doesn't know that her ways are unstable. So now, sons, listen to me and don't turn away from the words from my mouth. Keep your way far from her. Don't go near the door of her house. Otherwise, you will give up your vitality to others and your years to someone cruel. Strangers will drain your resources and your hard-earned pay will end up in a foreigner's house. At the end of your life, you will lament when your physical body has been consumed and you will say, how I hated discipline and how my heart despised correction. I didn't obey my teachers or listen closely to my instructors. I am on the verge of complete ruin before the entire community. Drink water from your own cistern, water flowing from your own well. Should your springs flow in the streets, streams in the public squares, they should be for you alone and not for you to share with strangers. Let your fountains be blessed and take pleasure in the wife of your youth, a loving deer, a graceful doe. Let her breast always satisfy you. Be lost in her love forever. Why, my son, would you lose yourself with a forbidden woman or embrace a wayward woman? For a man's ways are before the Lord's eyes, and he considers all his paths. A wicked man's iniquities will trap him. He will become tangled in the ropes of his own sin. He will die because there is no discipline and be lost because of his great stupidity. Father, we thank you for your word. And Father, your word so often pierces the soul, convicts the human heart. And we pray as a result of the preaching of your word this morning, God, that our hearts and our lives will be changed, that we will come to know Jesus Christ, to know him greater in every area of our life, including in our marriages that you, God, would be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. The scene plays itself out almost on a daily, if not weekly, basis. The faces change, but the story is generally the same. It doesn't respect just a certain age. It's not determined on how many years a particular couple has been married or what kind of environment they live in, but the story plays itself out day after day, week after week. A, a married couple, sometimes in the church, 
word gets out that one or both of the spouses have been involved in adulterous affairs. And that marriage is headed to divorce. Maybe you've been there. Or you know someone in your life that has been there. You may be there today. Or you may know someone who's going through that valley right now. It's a tragic scene, and quite frankly, I will have to confess to you that it really makes me personally angry whenever I see a marriage fall because of unfaithfulness, adultery. It happens in our churches. It happens in our pews. They say that 40% of marriages that end in divorce, uh, there is infidelity or adultery that has taken place in that relationship. It is something of great significance in our culture that so many of our marriages are falling apart because husbands and wives are going off and being with someone else and living in sexual sin and sexual immorality and marriages fall apart. You may be here today and you may hear this and you think, well, I can check out because, number one, I'm, I'm not married. I'm a widow. Or you might be a young person here and you think, well, I'm not married yet. I'm just a kid, so I don't, I don't have to pay attention to this. But the danger of adultery is a danger that lurks not just for the married couple, but for everyone in this church today, young and old. So I want us to think about what the Bible says about the danger of adultery and how the gospel of Jesus Christ speaks to the importance of being faithful to our spouse so that God would be glorified in our lives. Solomon, as he's writing to his son, you can just sense in his words the urgency of the moment he's pleading with his son to pay attention and listen. Have you ever been talking to your kids and you, wanted, you, you needed to communicate something to them and you wanted to make absolutely sure that they weren't looking off to the right or the left but they were really paying attention and so you get right down eye level with them and you say, son... You need to listen to what I'm about to say. You need to pay attention to this. I'm, I'm not messing around. I need to know that you get this. And I think that's where Solomon was with his son in chapter 5. He's saying, pay attention to my wisdom. Listen closely to my understanding because there's something out there that's a danger for you. He's saying to his son, there's going to there's come a time when, when you're going to be enticed and lured away from your wife I don't get the sense that his son was in the middle of committing adultery or even that his son had committed adultery, but Solomon is giving these instructions to his son prior to that temptation coming. Son, before, it, before the temptation hits, before uh, that, that, that opportunity comes for you to be unfaithful, I want you to listen to what I'm about to say. And then... In verse 3, beginning there, going down through the rest of the chapter, there's a warning about the danger of adultery and how it can destroy lives, destroy marriages, and ultimately can damage our witness and our testimony. I want us to consider some things this morning. Number one, adultery 
is pursued through deception. It is pursued through, through deception. Notice the language of verse 3 and following. Though the lips of the forbidden woman drip honey, and her words are smoother than oil. It's this picture of this, this woman who is coming and she is luring this man in with her flattering speech. Men love flattery. Being, being, being flattered. And, and, and she comes speaking these words and it's as if honey is dripping off of her lips. Now, ladies, understand that even though the text is talking about the forbidden woman, we understand that, that the temptation works both ways. Men can come with words of flattery and they can speak words that seem as honey dripping from the lips. It works both ways. Solomon's speaking to his son and he says she comes and she speaks these sweet words that drip like honey from her mouth and her words are smoother than oil. But notice the, con the contrast that he makes in verse 4. In the end, she's as bitter as wormwood. Wormwood in the Bible is a word basically indicating a type of poison. It, it seems as if she is giving you something pleasing that, that's wonderful is, is going to make your life so much better but in the end it is it brings bitterness and it's like a poison in your life she's as sharp as a double-edged sword it's if, if you follow after her if you chase after her and leave the wife of your youth it's going to cut you it's going to hurt you verse 5 her feet go down to death her steps lead straight to Sheol, which is another word for hell. So, so you think that following her and chasing after her will give you life and happiness and fulfillment, but ultimately Solomon says it's going to lead you to death. Her feet are running to hell. And so adultery is pursued through deception, we think chasing after that other woman or chasing after that other man is what's going to give us a rejuvenated life. So often in, in marriages, adultery happens when, when one of the spouses feels unsatisfied in their marriage. Maybe through intimacy, it may be emotionally, it, it could be a combination of those things, but they feel as if they, they are being, their needs are not being met in the context of the marriage. And so someone comes along and speaks words of flattery. Someone comes along, compliments them, says nice things to them about them, and they get sucked in. They get pulled in by the enticing words. And they think, oh, well, well I finally found the person that I've been looking for my entire life. And you want to know the problem? We, we've got enough Hallmark movies out there that make this seem like a, just a normal thing. You watch enough of these Hallmark movies or these made-for-TV movies, and they just make, you know, somebody over here is dissatisfied with their marriage and their spouse, and this, this hunk comes along, or this beautiful woman comes along. That's always the picture, right? And they lure us in, a, a relationship, a friendship, and we, we hear their flattering words and we think, oh my goodness, this is the one I should have been with the entire time. And we fall into that trap. And what we thought would bring us satisfaction and joy, Solomon actually says, 
leads down to death. Here's an interesting thing about this particular section of Scripture. We see in these verses the activity of our adversary, the enemy, Satan himself. Satan, by the way, if you didn't already know this, is not very creative. And so what Satan tries to do is he takes things that God has created, God has said is good, and he distorts them and twists them and uses them for a purpose that doesn't lead to our well-being and our peace and our joy, but rather ultimately leads to our death and destruction. For instance, here, Satan takes something good, that is, that is the, word, the flattering words spoken to someone. Do you, you remember maybe when you met your spouse? And I mean, it was like every word that they said to you was like, Honey, tell me more. I need, to, I need to hear more. I need to be with you more. I, I need to spend as much time with you. Everything about them. You just soaked it all in. You, you loved it. It was, as Solomon said, smoother than oil. You, you can connect with that because you were there and you remember what that was like. And I believe that God designed that by nature to be a good thing. That we, we sort of had this courtship in marriage where we meet that person and we grow in love with them. We, we almost fall head over heels in love with our spouse. That, that's the way God intended for it to be. And Satan comes along and he deceives us through something God has designed to be good. And he turns it into something that turns out to be for our bad, for evil. And you know Satan's been doing that for a long time because if you go all the way back to the book of Genesis... And God had given Adam and Eve everything that they could possibly want or need, but he said there's this one tree that you are not to eat the fruit of that tree. It was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And Adam and Eve didn't have an issue with it because they were satisfied in what God had given them, but do you remember what Satan did? He came along, the serpent came. And he spoke to Eve, and, and he began to question what God had said to her and began to instill in Eve's heart that God was withholding something from her that was good that she needed to have. And so when Eve bought into that lie, she ate of that fruit, Adam ate of that fruit, and since then, everyone that lives in this life is born into sin because at that very moment, sin entered into the world through the deception of the enemy. And so it's no surprise to us that Satan uses the tool of deception to produce in us, in marriage covenant relationship, this desire that so often pops up in people to chase after someone else because we think that in chasing after them and forming a relationship with them and having sexual relationships with people outside of marriage, that somehow that will meet the, the burning desires of our life, but ultimately it leads to death. And as a result of that, when you go down in the following verses, it says, when you do this, you'll give up your vitality to others, verse 9. Strangers will drain your resources, verse 10. At the end of your life, verse 11, you will lament when your physical body has been consumed. Think about that. There's something that happens, Solomon says, when you chase after the forbidden woman and you step out of the boundaries of, of the marriage covenant, it ultimately leads to, to physical, your physical body being consumed. It destroys you. It eats from within. And at the end of your days, Solomon says, 
you will say, verse 12, how I hated discipline and how my heart despised correction. I did not obey my teachers or listen closely to my instructors. You knew. You knew that wasn't what God had for you. But you chose to go after it anyway. Most people, particularly the people in the church that commit adultery against their spouse, they know that that's not God's plan. But yet they do it anyway. And he says at the end of your days you will lament because you will realize that you went against the teaching of God's word. You did something that God said you were not to do and it led ultimately to grief and pain and loss. All because you were deceived. Now here's the second thing. Adultery is avoided through fidelity. It's avoided through fidelity. And Solomon, when he gets to verse 15, he uses some language here that, quite frankly, if we tried to explain it or tried to really go through it verse by verse, word by word, it would be shocking to us. And so I'm going to kind of leave that out on the margins. And we're just going to look at the big picture of what he's saying. He says, drink water from your own cistern. Water that flows from your own well. Speaking of your spouse, your wife, your husband. You, you drink from that well. What's the key to avoiding fidelity? You stay with her. She stays with him. You enjoy one another. Should your springs, verse 16, blow, flow in the streets, streams in the public squares, they should be for you alone and not for you to share with strangers. She belongs to you and you belong to Him. There's this union of faithfulness. God has knit you together in holy matrimony. Let your fountain be blessed. Take pleasure in the wife of her of your youth. Notice it did not say uh, your wife in her youth, but the wife of your youth. Not just talking about the honeymoon or the first two or three months or first couple of years of marriage, but for the rest of your life, you are to lock in on her. Enjoy this blessing that God has given you. And the way to avoid adultery is to just be infatuated with her for the rest of your life. I love what the Bible says here in verse 19. A loving deer, a graceful doe, let her breast always satisfy you. Listen to this, be lost in her love forever. Some translations of the of the Bible used the word intoxicated. Be intoxicated with her love. Be so consumed with her that it's if you just, if, if you're intoxicated, you, you just, you almost lose every sense about you because you love her so much and you, you spend time with her and then when we speak about the intimacy aspect of this, you are committed to being intimate only with her forever. Which leads him to ask the question in verse 20, why would you lose yourself with a forbidden 
woman, why would you even do that? Why would you go in that direction when God has given you this woman that is placed next to you to spend the rest of your life with her? But so often, we get deceived and we, we grow dissatisfied in our relationship with our spouse. And we lose that sense of being intoxicated in that love for her. And so we go and we chase the forbidden woman. But to avoid adultery, you, you stay faithful to the one that God has, has given you. And then the number three, adultery is dealt with at, at judgment. I want you to look at verse 21. A man's ways are before the Lord's eyes, and he considers all his paths. We think that if we get caught in infidelity, or if we're in the midst of that, we're being unfaithful to our wife or our husband. We think that no one knows. This would, this would be to anyone in this room, young or old, married or unmarried, but we might think that the things that we're looking at online are unknown. We might think that those conversations that we are having with someone on the internet are unknown, but what does verse 21 tell us? God knows. We think we can hide those things. God knows everything that's going on in our lives. And so... My faithfulness, my fidelity to my spouse may be hidden from many people's eyes, but, but the God of heaven knows what's going on in my life. Married couples, God knows what's going on in your heart. Adultery, we think about it, adultery as the physical act of of sexual immorality with someone other than our wife outside of the covenant of marriage. You know what Jesus said in the Gospels? He said, if you lust after another woman in your heart, you've already committed adultery in your heart. The standard's higher in the New Testament than even it was in the Old Testament. Jesus takes the bar to another level. He says, if you have lust for a woman in your heart, you've committed adultery already. Purity of mind. Young people, I would, I would speak to you for just a moment today and challenge you that this, this issue of pornography in our nation, it has crippled men. It cripples women. But I'm here to tell you, it is mostly targeted toward young people. And anytime you look at an image or you watch a video of a, of a boy or a, or a female, male or female, and, and, and it is pornography, you are looking at someone else's wife. You're looking at someone else's husband. Think about that. This is serious. And we need to be careful about the things that we're looking at. We think, well, nobody knows, nobody knows. But God knows, and that person that you are looking at is, is made in the image of God, and possibly one day, if they're not already, would be married to someone else. And girls, there are parts of you 
I'm going to say this as carefully as I can. There are parts of you that only your husband should see. This is why my children get mad at me sometimes. Or I've heard others of you say, well, my children get mad at me when I don't let them buy clothes in certain places. Well, I particularly don't want my children walk around naked. Because, number one, they are more than that. They're made in the image of God. And listen to me. Only their husband should see certain things. So the things that we see with our eyes can lead us in the wrong direction. Conversations that we have on the internet or over the phone can lead us in the wrong direction and we think we can hide those things from God but God knows and then notice what the text says a wicked man's iniquities will trap him and he will become tangled in the ropes of his own sin and he will die because there is no discipline and be lost because of his great stupidity we should not ignore what the New Testament tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10, when Paul says, Don't you know that the unrighteous will not inherit God's kingdom? Do not be deceived. No sexually immoral people, idolaters, adulterers, or males who have sex with males, nor, no thieves, greedy people, drunkards, verbally abusive people, or swindlers will inherit God's kingdom. Now, in the context and the day in which we live, we love to point to that verse when we point and highlight the sin of homosexuality. And it's there. But listen, brothers and sisters, adultery is listed right there with homosexuality. And we as a church have lost our witness and credibility in the area of marital fidelity and purity. We have lost our voice on what marriage is really supposed to be when we shout against homosexuality, but we turn a blind eye to adultery in marriage shouldn't be that way God has called us not to fall into homosexuality but he's also called us to be pure in marriage to be sexually pure to be faithful and you're here this morning and you're saying well what does that mean for me because maybe you're here and you realize that you've fallen short in this area You've fallen into sexual sin. You've, you've fallen into adultery. How do, how do I escape this? What's the hope for me? And that's the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ because when Jesus went to the cross, He took every sin upon His shoulders. Those nails that nailed Him to that cross bore every sin of mankind. That blood that was shed on that day that, that flowed from His head and from His hands and His feet and His body made provision for every sin that would ever be committed in this life. So maybe you're here and there's adultery in your life. There's sexual sin in your life. I want you to know that God in His grace can redeem you and restore you. If you're walking in it, you must crucify those things at the cross of Jesus Christ. You must die to sin and trust in Christ because there, there is forgiveness and grace available for anyone and everyone who stands condemned today. But, but there are consequences for it as well. We will stand before the righteous judge. We will give an account for the things that we have done. We will bear the consequences in this life for foolish deeds, for adultery, for sexual immorality, 
But in Christ, we will find salvation, we will find life, we will find peace. And ultimately, here's what marital adultery points us to, the reality that all of us spiritually commit adultery. Because all of us spiritually turn from the God who created us and made us in His image. All of us, at times in our lives, are unfaithful to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We understand, maybe not in marriage, but we understand spiritually that all of us commit adultery spiritually. And we're not faithful to Christ, but He's faithful to us. And His blood and His sacrifice at the cross is sufficient for you. So brothers and sisters, if you're here today and you're caught in in sexual sin, if you're caught in infidelity, adultery in your lives, come to the cross of Jesus Christ and find life. If you're here and you're not married and you've not committed marital adultery, but you understand that you've turned from Christ, that you're running in the other direction, that, that Jesus wants you to come to Him, you need to come to Him today and trust Him to be your Lord and Savior. You need to come and find life in His name.